you could win in APCO's Cash for Chrissy competition. That's right, APCO Joe. There's 1K to brighten your day. And 1K to give away to a mate for Christmas. APCO's Cash for Chrissy on now at APCO. Last <laughs> tackle, what can Johnson dish up this time? Little inside ball for Walsh right up the middle. Somehow shrugged a tackle or two. How's that for a kick? Remarkable for Watteni Zalesnia. The winger fell over. Reese Walsh, that is wizardry from the fullback. Right up the middle he went. And when all options were covered, he dropped it on the left boot and said, Dallin, help yourself. Ooh, help yourself indeed, uh, Dallin, and he did. And, of course, that was one of the bright notes uh, in what was a Warriors loss, 22-14 to the Roosters over the weekend. Another performance which has been uh, dogged, I guess, by uh, moments that left the Warriors hand, uh, fans scratching their heads at the state of the officiating. Uh, just before we get on to the controversies, um, Lavina, good, good morning to you. Um, aside for the controversies, what did you make of the Warriors' performance overall? Good morning, Smitty. It's a gorgeous day in Taranga. The sun is shining. No rain. Beautiful here, mate. Do, do you believe me? No. no. I'm lying. <laughs> Hosing down. Hosing down like it is around the whole country. Um, I'm kind of glad that you asked me, Smitty, about my opinion on the Warriors game prior to the um, controversy because I actually don't think the Warriors played good enough to win that match against the Roosters. And I know we'll chat about a couple of calls that certainly went against them um, during pivotal moments of the match. But I really feel as though in the second half, uh, the Roosters were definitely on the front foot and not just because of a few calls from the referee that the referee or the bunker didn't decide who was going to win that game. It was a more determined outfit from the Roosters. I was really disappointed for the first time this year, um, not not in terms of performance from the Warriors, but I think when they came out after halftime, they were a different side. They just um, There was no energy, there was no rhythm in their attack, and it didn't surprise me that, that they lost the match. So I was disappointed with their performance, and I guess it's an opportunity now for the Warriors fans to say, oh, yeah, but we were scored a try or we had a chance, but... When you look at those two sides that played in that match, the Roosters were certainly a better team, and that's how come they ended up with the points. And I was really pleased to hear Nathan Brown's comments at the end of the game. Mm. He said uh, when a, a team's on the front foot, they get the calls that go their way. So he wasn't using the referees as an excuse. I know they're going to give Graham Annesley a call today, the head of refs, and sort of clarify a few of those decisions because it can just go to the bunker 50,000 times and despite, you know, a $5 million bunker that has cameras for Africa to try and film what's going on, they often get it wrong, so that needs to be noted that the Warriors were outclassed by a side in that second half and that means the Roosters are in fifth place and now the Warriors are out of that top eight in ninth place. Do they get it wrong, uh, the bunker, etc.? Do they get it wrong against the Warriors just a little bit too much for your liking? Yeah, I I think I've got issues with the bunker in general. I've never been a massive fan of the bunker. I think that decision-wise, it's it's reflected poorly against a lot of teams, and it's uh, a lot of teams um, that you know fighting to get into that top four position that, that doesn't often go in their favour. So with the the amount of technology and the money that they've spent on that, they should be getting it right 100% of the time, and they certainly don't. So I, I've questioned the bunker over the years and. I think the Warriors get a hard time in the competition in general. We hardly ever have a Dalian player of the year named or in a position, even though we've got some of those players in the competition. And we're always going to be regarded as the poor cousins of the competition there to make up the numbers. 
Um, and without the Warriors throughout the COVID period, there'd be no NRL competition because it would be 15 teams instead of 16. So they owe the Warriors a lot, I think, the NRL. And I think the Warriors get a hard time, not just from the bunker, but in terms of player selection for representation and coverage. Um, that'll always happen for the Warriors. But on this particular occasion, Smitty, the Warriors did not play good enough to beat the Roosters with or without that decision from the bunker. And I like Nathan Brown focusing on that. I like him saying, OK, mm. dodgy decisions, you know, wasn't happy with it. But we came out, we lacked energy in the second half. We had no rhythm on attack. And that is the problem. That's what we need to address. Rather than the Warriors of three or four years ago would have been, they ripped us off. We didn't get it. We could have won. We could have beat the Roosters. That's not fair. That's not fair. And so the toys out the cart. That's not the attitude from the Warriors at this stage. So... I think they can take on board that they were defeated by a better side in the second half of that clash. They know what they did wrong. And they'll uh, certainly get back to the drawing board as the competition, you know, continues. But we spoke a couple of weeks ago, mate, about just how this competition yeah. is so fierce. And they hadn't come across the Melbourne Storm, the Penrith Panthers, the Eels. You know, they hadn't played the Roosters or the Bunnies. And that's all ahead of the Warriors. So they, they need to play rugby league, which is, which is pretty clever, pretty smart, and also really neat and tidy. They can't afford to make mistakes and surrender possession and they have improved in the mistake side of things and the completion rate has improved tremendously over the past three or four weeks so they'll take a lot from that loss and better better to have that loss at this stage of the competition rather than maybe round 17 and 18 which has been the Warriors in the past Well they're about to get their comeuppance if they don't improve because they have got the storm uh, for the Anzac Day clash Um, that's uh Providing they can uh, get competitive and somehow stop Ryan Pappenhausen, uh, who is whose form is just consistently amazing. They've got a forward in there though, Storm forward Felici Kofusi, who was re- replaced on report twice and walked away with a fine. So there is inconsistencies yeah. around the joint, I've got to say. But the, the Storm, that, that's the next thing uh, on the agenda. What about that one? Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to a mate yesterday about the footy and talking about the Storm and, you know, we talked about it last week, how they just keep creating these magnificent players thanks to Craig Bellamy that has that decent culture that can breed them and maintain them. And you think about Pappenhausen, at the moment he's the best player in the competition and he's the best fullback, hands down. But State of Origin selection is just around the corner. The State of Origin will be played on June the 25th. And it wouldn't surprise me if he would not be donning that number one jersey. I mean, how are they going to take that off Teddy Tedesco? He's the captain of New South Wales and plays number one for the Roosters. And they won't take that off him. So what do they do with Pappenhausen, who is the best player at the moment in the NRL? Do they put him on a wing? Well, he's wasted on the wing. He plays out of position on the wing. That's not where he should be played. You put him in the centres. He doesn't get enough position in the centres. And he certainly won't play that sweeping role that is so natural for him and they're not going to slot him in at 5'8 either because they've got the combination from the Panthers so it really makes the rugby league brain think what are they going to do with Pappenhausen when it comes to the state of origin when it comes to playing the Warriors I tell you what I've enjoyed the clashes between the Warriors and the Melbourne Storm on Anzac Day over the years and the Warriors have notoriously had excellent results playing against Melbourne in Melbourne throughout that Anzac period because it's about every Kiwi that rugby league fan that's based in Victoria turn up to that match and they get a lot of support base. So I think the Warriors will certainly put in an improved performance but every single time you watch the Melbourne Storm at the moment, they are just on fire. And they're a pleasure to watch. They're enjoyable to watch because every player, Smitty, knows what they have to do. They've been told what they have to do and it's almost instinctive now. It's instinctive for them and you think they're just making it up but they're not. They know what they have to do. They've been told what they have to do. And then you've got someone like Pavenhausen, who is the best player in the competition, just a small guy 
with a massive heart and you can't beat speed in rugby league. You can't replace speed in rugby league and the Warriors will certainly have to be on their best defensive behaviour if they're going to try and shut down the Melbourne Storm because you focus on one player and it's just someone else that'll make you, make you punish. But I'm really excited about that clash. I reckon it's going to be a great game of footy. Well, yes, you're uh, very uh, praiseworthy about Nathan Brown and his attitude after that loss. Um, and I, I love uh, a lot of the NRL coaches because uh, unlike some of our rugby ones, they, they actually wear their heart on their sleeve week after week and none better than Ricky Stewart for me. I mean, he's great copy, as they say in the media. Uh, his side going down to the Cowboys 18-12 and his reaction afterwards, basically, they don't deserve to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ricky doesn't hold back, does he? I've interviewed him on several occasions and I tell you what, he just says exactly what he's feeling. And it's kind of refreshing, I guess, to have coaches um, come out and, and talk honestly about what's going on and why it's working and why it's not working. And and there was a time, maybe 15 years ago, they, they hardly said anything, but I guess they're just so passionate at the moment. They've got a lot to, to be said and reveal. I felt sorry for Ricky Stewart, really hungry for that victory. And the Raiders have certainly improved their performance over the last month. They're not the same side that started in the opening rounds of the competition, but he's, he's not holding back as to what's going wrong at the moment. And I'm sure he'll try and rectify it, but he's refreshing to come out and, and interview and listen to because he doesn't hold back on the players. And it's like what I said about Nathan Brown. I'd be the first to critique him if he didn't say anything. And I would have been really disappointed if he said, oh, the Warriors were ripped off from the referee. But he said, you can't take that win away from the Roosters because of the refs. And I'm like, hats off, mate. You can move on from that now. And your players will learn from that now. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm. Okay. Uh, of interest also, uh, the Broncos actually started uh, pretty well against the Panthers. In fact, they, they had a healthy lead at one point and uh, and then, of course, uh, the class of the Panthers, uh, the Cleary show took over and it was quite uh, emphatic towards the end. The Panthers don't panic at any stage of the match or the competition. I mean, they're defending champs, they're hot favourites to do so well and undefeated so far in the opening rounds of the NRL. But what I like about the Panthers and the performance that they put in is that you wouldn't know at any stage in the game if they're up by 20 or if they're down by 20 because it doesn't seem to bother them, really. It doesn't affect them. They know they're the better mm. side than the opposition and they do a lot of ground groundwork. And, you know, Ivan Cleary is one of those coaches that's really analytical. And I know all the coaches go through the footage and they've got footage team and visual teams that ascertain and check out everything. But Ivan Cleary doesn't just do that for the Panthers. He does it mainly on the opposition. So he knows all the weaknesses of the side. He knew the Bronx would come out and, and attack early and have lots of energy and be great. But 30 minutes into that match, then they'd run out of energy because... They're so big and they are lacking mobility this year because they've gone with a bigger pack up front. And he knows exactly where their weaknesses are and he knows how to target them. And he communicates that with his players. And then all we have to do is sit back and watch the Panthers show. Uh, I think I picked them at the start of the year to, to be in the grand final and, and maybe even to back it up and win. I, I kind of agree with Andrew Johns that came out last week and said at this stage there's only three teams in, in the competition, which would be Melbourne, um, Storm, and the Eels, they're the ones that'll make it through maybe to the grand final and you've got the Sharks knocking on all of their doors. But at this stage, when you look at the performances from those sides, whether or not they're winning or losing, they've certainly got grand final material written all over their jerseys at this stage of the comp. Slight hiccup for the Eels yesterday, though, having said that. Don't um, talk what a great about story, it. though. Don't talk about it. <laughs> West Tigers, West Tigers, 21, Eels 20. And an Englishman is the hero, and Jackson Hastings at halfback with a drop goal, 40-metre drop goal. 
So it was, it was painful for a rugby league fan of the years to watch, but I, I'm a massive fan of Jackson Hastings. I, I really liked his time with the Roosters a few years back, and then he had a stint um, with Manly prior to going over to England. I don't know what happened at Manly. Something went down Smitty, at Manly, and he had a bit of a disagreement with um, the core playing group. But it was at that stage where there was a unity with the brothers and, and, and everyone getting together, and the outsiders didn't really fit in. And Jackson Hastings had come from the Roosters, where he was really, really good, great kicker, very impressive with his play, and come into Manly and didn't slot in nicely at all. So he goes, okay, see you later. I'm going to go over to the Super League, you know, which we all consider an inferior competition. But he plays for the Red Devils, takes them to a grand final, goes off and plays for Wigan, takes them to a grand final. In 2019, he was named as the Player of the Year, um, the Man of Steel, they call it, which is the Gallium Player of the Year in the NRL. So he was the best player in the competition in 2019. He comes back here, plays a game for the Tigers, gets, you know, suspended for a head-high tackle on a Knights guy. And I think to myself, what a waste of the talent. Like, you're such a good player and you're going to spend a couple of weeks on the sideline. What are you doing, mate? You know, don't be so stupid. Don't come play for a club and, and do that. You'll be lucky to get another chance. But Madge's realised that Luke Brooks isn't the halfback for him. Luke Brooks, the million-dollar man, just hasn't been playing because he's not been under pressure from anyone. And Madge goes, well, I think I'll either get sacked from my job, which he potentially was because they lost five in a row, or I'll try Luke Brooks out with the number six on his jersey and see how this Jackson Hastings goes. And it wasn't just the kick that, that won the game for him. He literally rallied the troops and led them all around the park. He's got a magnificent rugby league brain and a, a delightful kick, whether it be the high ball or the, or the soft rubber kick. He managed to retain so much possession for the Tigers because the ball kept coming back. And he also complimented Luke Brooks. There was no um, urgency between them to be hungry or be a hamu for the ball. They both shared the ball with each other and they read each other's play really well. So if you're a Tigers fan, you can re- maybe breathe a sigh of relief. If you're a Madge fan, you might realise that he gets another chance in the competition. And they've got someone by the name of Jackson Hastings, who is one of the best rugby league players in the world that looks as though he'll continue to don that number seven jersey. Mind you, he was playing against Mitch Moses, who's regarded as the best halfback in the competition at the moment. And Jackson mm-hmm. Hastings had it all over Mitch Moses throughout that game. So that's a great wake-up call for the Eels halfback as well. Sydney Morning Herald reported over the weekend that the NRL may be looking to crack the, into the American market uh, with the help of Hugh Jackman and Russell Crowe. Uh, that would see the 2023 season opener played between the Manly Seagulls South Sydney Rabbitohs at the home of the uh, Los Angeles Football Club, uh, the Bank of California Stadium. Uh, would it work? Would it work? Would it just be a bit novelty? Like, um, would it get teeth into it? Like rugby is trying to do, or would it just be a, a one-off novelty thing? A bit like the NFL going to Wembley. I think it's a bit junky, personally. Um, the one thing I've learnt from rugby league, which I do believe is the greatest game of all, is that it's such a brilliant product and it's marketed so well throughout Australia and New Zealand where its popularity is growing overseas. But they could have taken a note out of the AFL books years ago. And, and the AFL has a magnificent competition that's ran in-house in Australia. And they don't try and promote themselves overseas. They don't try and make an international spectacle of the sport because they don't have to because it's so successful and runs so well in Australia. And I honestly think you don't need to tinker too much with rugby league. Uh, I think the only reason they would look to do that is to try and get extra bums on seats and try and get a corporate dollar to get more money into the game. But that's why they've got television rights to negotiate that to get more money 
into the game. Uh, I think rugby league fans in this country, in Australia, should be rewarded with all the matches played at home. And I just don't see how it's benefiting rugby league fans here or the sport overseas by taking it over to America to see if they can try and get some bums on seats there. So I'm not a massive fan of it. It'll probably still go ahead as a spectacle and not be that successful. But I just think when it's ran so well and is such a magnificent competition, I've mentioned to you so many times, Smitty, you don't have to be a Warriors or an Eels fan to enjoy the rugby league. In fact, those two teams that I like to follow both lost at the weekend and I still really enjoyed all the footy that I got to watch. So I don't think they need to tinker too much with the competition at all to make it a better product. It's pretty good at the moment. Cool, Lavina. Fantastic uh, to have your input this morning on all those matters and your diplomatic stance about officiating, I think, was the thing uh, I got the most out of it. There you go. No worries, Minnie. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.